0: I love it the way it is. Uh, yeah, I mean Thursday night, night game, starting, uh, starting the season off. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want it any other way, to be honest. They got one of the best
1: offenses. And a Very talented defense. Linebackers are very deep at linebacker. They got a good push
0: up front, and I think they have very talented secondary. Um, so it's it's a big challenge for our team. It's going to be tough not having Zach out there, but uh, you know we still have a lot of good players on our offense. Uh, know a lot of guys that can uh you know help out i mean we're miles ahead of where we were last year Uh, not just me and his connection but the whole team the whole offense i mean it's really exciting and i hope hopefully we can do something really special this year just uh set for the perfect stage them coming off of uh coming off of the super bowl title um and then obviously us having fans back to full capacity i think this is what the nfl and the world needs What we need
1: is some football, and football is back tonight. Yes, other types of football have been back for a little while. But the NFL, back yeah, tonight. the real football. On that field, back behind Chris Sims. The search for the spleen continues. Good morning, Christopher. <laughs> How Good are morning, today?
2: Michael. How you doing, man? Yeah, they put the lights on for me today, you know. So I don't know if you've heard. I'm kind of a big deal around here. So they put the lights on. They're like, hey, the guy's doing the show. He doesn't need to do it in the dark. Let's let's turn it on. So, no, actually, I don't know why the lights are on, but it's great here. And there's a breeze, Maybe Mike, because, so I don't have to worry. I,
1: yeah. Wild guess. Wild guess. There's a game tonight. You know and that they're could getting be the, the reason ready they for are kind
2: of getting ready. Yeah, you're right. You could be onto yeah. something, man. You're like a private investigator or something <laughs> over there. <laughs> uh, but it's, at least it's not hot. I was so stressed yesterday that I was going to sweat through my shirt. You know, have sweaty pit stains and everything uh, like Thank that. You. So uh, yeah, now I'm good I'm morning. feeling good. I'm feeling better. Good morning, sweaty everybody. Hello, stains. London. Yeah. <laughs>
1: enjoy enjoy your breakfast on the East Coast. As I said before the show started, you solved the problem of potentially sweating through your shirt by wearing less shirt today yes so right less, there's less less to shirt. sweat through
2: a hundred percent less to sweat through got you know got the guns out a little bit here uh, i don't yeah. know if i should be wearing shirts that, that, that this short of sleeves anymore but i still am so deal
1: with it <laughs> phillips school uniform once again makes its way into dad's right. suitcase <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey, it is an exciting time. Game one of 272, the biggest NFL season ever, 17 regular season games per team. But it begins tonight with the Dallas Cowboys taking on the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tom Brady, 22nd season, looking for Super Bowl ring number eight. And I can recall a time, Chris, when you thought that... All he wanted to do was surpass Michael Jordan and get to 7, and that would be it. He got to 7, and that's not it. I think if he gets to 8 this year, that's still not it. If he somehow gets to 9 next year, that's still not it. What is driving Tom Brady at this point?
2: Well, I guess the first thing I would say is like... Yeah, I did. I always thought it would be like seven, hey, I'm out of here. But I thought maybe he would win seven, like, you know, not looking like the Tom Brady we're accustomed to. But the the, the, the crazy thing is, and we've said this a few times over the last month, I mean, I swear he he throws the ball better now than he did in 2013 and 2012. So he probably looks at it like, wait, I'm on a great team, sees the opportunity here, and – I still feel really capable of being a big time playmaker in the NFL. That's where it's just so rare. Usually people like this with Tom Brady and this type of status and uh, the resume he has, they, they, they're they kind of limping their way off the battlefield and just making it happen. Brady right now is still thriving. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the sport. He still has an arm that you can do special things with throughout in your game plan. And I, I don't, Mike, that's the, to me the most interesting thing is just there hasn't been much drop-off, if any, uh, over the last few years, and I think he's one of those guys that's like, well, well what else am I going to do? I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I like my kids and all that, but damn, this is fun playing football, and it's not a real job, so that's why uh, I think you know he's hanging around, and I don't think the end is coming anytime soon like you're talking about, man.
1: It's definitely a real job, and then some, to keep his body ready to get yes, to the point that's where right. he is not just limping to the finish line but he is sprinting toward a finish line that no one knows where it is and that's what i think big picture needs to be regarded as the most amazing aspect of it we have been watching and waiting for years now for the decline to arrive and as you said as it relates to his throwing the decline isn't there if if anything he's getting better and he said himself recently to have that sleeve off of his left knee after 13 years of wearing it, got the MCL repaired. It's not like he's going to be sprinting around all over the place, but he's got a greater freedom, at least in his mind. He's going to be more comfortable as he hops and jumps around in the pocket. But that continues to be the key thing. I mean, look, today is as positive yeah. as we're ever going to be about football because we're happy it's coming back. But, but the three interceptions – In the NFC Championship in the second half when they were up 28-10 to and it all began to fall apart. The self-preservation that causes him to throw it up for grabs from time to time, that is the one thing that we need to continue to keep watching for because that is the one thing that he has done. And if taking that sleeve off of his knee, if getting that MCL repaired allows him to not put himself in that spot, then he really doesn't have any weaknesses.
2: No. No, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, hey, first off, we saw what? Like 2019, we thought, oh, maybe, you know, this is the downfall of Brady, right? In New England, they had that underwhelming offensive year. Okay, yes, he's not Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers that he can maybe, you know, make magical plays outside the pocket and carry the the offensive team maybe when they're having a less than effort or less than talent. But as we've seen, just like a lot of quarterbacks who maybe people don't realize how. How good they are until they get some talent around them yeah he got here in Tampa Bay and they got the right formula around him to where you know again he could show us the areas that he's really special in and we know he's really special in being clutch making decisions and Again, Mike, I will always argue this. This is one of the greatest throwers in the history of football. Yeah, it's not Brett Favre or Dan Marino lasers, but he's that next group down. He can still throw at 70 plus yards in the air. They're not calling an offense to manage like, well, Brady can't make this throw. Their only issue is exactly what you said, Mike protect the guy when he's protected he can still carve you up and I think you know you talk about the knee sleeve and the healthiness there the formula they found at the end of last year where let's protect him run the ball and when we got one-on-one matchups he'll throw strikes and our receivers will win those one-on-one matchups and then Mike I think the other thing that goes into the protection of himself this year and to your point is the more the, the mastery of the offense that's what's going to be even protect him more. I, you know, last year I'm sure there was plays where blitzes came and things caught him off guard a little bit, and he wasn't sure. Like, wait, where do I go with the ball? What do I do? He will be in that next level, that next phase of the offense this year, to where. He's going to know where to get the ball out quickly out of his hands in certain formations where maybe he wasn't as comfortable last year. You hear everybody talk about his growth of his offense, and that's what's scary. He's just going to be more comfortable, and they're, like Mike Evans said, light years ahead of where they were last year offensively.
1: The only potential flaw those damn single-digit jerseys have by <laughs> yeah. linebackers and defensive backs. Other than that, it could be perfection, and perfection is something – that has eluded Tom Brady. We thought he was going to finish a 19-0 season 14 years ago. The stunning loss to the Giants in the Super Bowl kept that from happening. Now the road gets a little bit longer with 17 games. Do you think at some level he's driven to get a perfect season and cap it with a Super Bowl championship? And could that be the thing, and I don't think it would be as I'm saying it, but could that be the thing if they would go – 20-0 this year is that what it would take 20-0 walk off into the sunset would he do that and do you think he wants that is that on his secret list of accomplishments I want a perfect season
2: well I think it's just like I mean I don't know if he needs anything more to solidify his greatness and being the GOAT and the greatest player in the history of the sport or quarterback I don't know if it really would matter you know, it'd be. I'm sure he's the type of guy that, again, like like we've heard Mahomes say, they expect to win every game. You know, he's not gonna like get too far ahead of himself and think about, oh, we might be 10 and 0 in week 11, and wow, we could have a chance. But I, I, I do. I think everything drives the guy. That's why he's so special. I mean, he's competing with himself as far as many calories he's eaten during the day. I mean, he's he is that perfect type of psycho that you need to be a franchise quarterback. And I say that respectfully. I, I even if he went 20 and 0, Mike and he plays good football, I don't think he's like, my my opinions change. I don't think he's walking off into the sunset. Yeah, I think he's going to be like, wait, I'm still good. Why do I got to quit? This is fun. My family's enjoying it, other than Giselle trying to talk me out of it after every time I win the Super Bowl. But all everything else is really positives, and I just don't imagine that happening.
1: What more do you have to prove? The question she posed to him after <laughs> yeah, he won right. Super Bowl number 7. And more. The answer is more what more do you want i want it all i want everything and th- th- think about it think about it there was a time where eh, you could reasonably debate who the best quarterback currently in the nfl was and tom right. brady made it clear that he's the guy then who's the the best quarterback of all time well there are different debates and joe montana he was 4 and 0 and this guy and that guy then eh, tom brady makes it pretty clear he's the guy greatest of all time in any position and eh, that debate is becoming resolved in Brady's favor. And the the new debate that kind of trickled in last year, greatest athlete of all time, at least in team sports, if not in any context, you put 20-0 and 0 on the wall this year, that becomes a real debate. When you consider everything the guy's done, he's 44 years old. If they could pull something like that off, and we are way ahead of ourselves even having the conversation, but we're looking for motivation here. I think as he finds motivation to continue to achieve and continue to accomplish, that's where these different levels of debates come into focus. And I think if they would win it again, if they would somehow, some way, thread every needle and go undefeated, then that conversation of, is he the greatest of all time to ever Grab a ball, a stick, put on a helmet, step onto a gridiron, a field, any area of competition where sport is involved. Is he the best to ever do it? We're getting closer to that territory if he can keep it going.
2: Yeah, uh, there's no question. The uh, one thing I, I mean, you know me, I push back against those narratives a little bit at times. I do, uh, but I mean, this is the greatest general in team sports in the history of any team sport, and at least in our country. That that goes without saying, and I also will say, you know, the consistent greatness, the consistent goodness, we've never seen anything like it, no. Now, has he been, you know, the best quarterback in football through periods of time? I mean, we can go through it and, like, go through years where I could go, yeah, he's top five, but I don't think he's the best quarterback. Yeah, he's top five, but I don't think he's the best quarterback. Yeah, he's top three, but I don't think he's the best quarterback. That to me, but he's always consistently right there in that area. And like you said, that's where it's just a, it's amazing. You know, we saw Peyton Manning and other quarterbacks at the end of their careers just, yeah, this, you know, hey, he's still good, but he's not like the guy that we'll remember where we just go, he's unstoppable. Brady, I mean, whoa, well, they turned the lights off. Okay, hey, we're still running a show here. But hey, but but Brady on the other hand, you know, it's just always been close to the top. And it's never really fallen far at any point of his career. And that, that to me, is what what is really amazing. Just the ability to stay right up there at that spot. You know, I'll always say the greatest player I ever saw in anything is Michael Jordan because he could just do things and take over a game by himself. Uh, but, I mean, Tom Brady's right there in that conversation. There's no question. It's, it's really amazing. To me, it's more amazing how consistently good for how long is, is really what I'll always remember Tom Brady for.
1: And you mentioned Michael Jordan, and we're now five years removed from the Super Bowl that caused me to say Tom Brady has reached that level of performance yeah. after they came back and beat the Falcons in Houston 28-3, to where you must be able to say, you must put yourself in a position where you can claim you saw the guy play in person and the chances for doing so are running out. And here we are five years later and there's still an unlimited supply of chances to go see Tom Brady. And Chris, I go back to March of last year when Tom Brady became a free agent. And I think about the teams that wanted him, the teams that didn't, the fact that he wanted to go to the 49ers. They said, no, thank you. In hindsight, wouldn't you say that pretty much every team is kicking itself in the ass for not getting in on the Tom Brady sweepstakes? Right. Except for the Chiefs and the Packers, the teams yeah. that clearly have top right. five guys. I mean, what, what was everyone missing in the fact that Tom Brady was ready to find a next level? Well, and you can't blame right. the rest of us because we've never seen this before.
2: No, no, you can't. But, see, that's where I push back about, you know, oh, he's still one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the sport. I go, no, no, he's not. He's still really awesome. He's 44. There are still, you know, some things he can't do that the other great quarterbacks in the sport can do. And that's where I get back to that conversation because, yes, you're right. Teams, did they make mistakes not getting him? Sure but go back and watch the 2019 film in New England. Now, I certainly think there was no other quarterbacks that were in the league, Rodgers, Mahomes, other, that could have made a lot more happen with that team than Tom Brady did. He needed a right the right fit around him at this point. And I think that's what scared people. You know, I think really they looked at it and went, "Man, 2019, he was good, but he didn't make a whole lot of plays. Of course, the team around him wasn't real talented, so that didn't help out like we've talked about, but I think that the age and and then that, that film of that year scared people to go, wait, I, I'm not sure. But Tampa, I think, you know, had a little inside info with Jason Light. They know the kind of player Brady is and I think they knew that they had the type of team that could protect him in the pocket, and, hey, he'll figure out the offense and still make the throws, and that's where it was the perfect fit. And, yeah, a team like the 49ers, they could have made it happen too because if they had the same type of thing, right, good offensive coach, some weapons, an offensive line to protect them, uh, they, they would be one of those teams you'd look at and go, they could have made Brady maybe look the same way he did last year as well. You know what I'm saying. I don't know if they win the Super Bowl, but you get the point I'm trying to make.
1: Another factor from 2019 that I don't think we can overlook The reality that he knew that was it, that he was done, that basically get me the hell out of here, that sometimes, and this is where the human factors can creep into it. If he was just unhappy and it was time to move on and you throw in the fact that they don't have the talent and he was limping to the finish line there, he needed a fresh start. And that experience in 2019 may have rekindled. In a big way, the fire that we now see raging with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, you talked about the way they protect him. We've talked about some of the other dynamics of the Tampa Bay offense. Let's focus on tonight's game. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the football, you've mentioned the growth, the changes, the adjustments that were made throughout the 2020 season. Tonight, do you expect that he's going to pick up exactly where he left off from the standpoint of comfort in the offense?
2: I do. I
1: just, just the way it
2: looked in the preseason, especially that third preseason game against the Houston Texans, I think it's going to take take off where it left off and then some. I really do, just because one, everybody's more comfortable and I think he's going to be able to digest more offense, knows more of the rules of the offense. So last year, how we talked about so much where it was like, hey, let's protect them and we know we can make the throws here. Look, they got an extra tackle in the game here. There's only that's a seven-man protection. There's three men out in the routes. This is when they found their groove last year, if we protect this dude he will throw strike after strike and that's what he did at the end of the season, into the playoffs, and the Super Bowl here you go again, it's six linemen it's a, The back can protect if somebody else is blitzing, but he's got a seven-man protection, three people out a in the route again. Again, people who talk about, well, Brady doesn't have a strong arm. What are you talking about? That was a 30-yard laser that never went above Mike Evans' chin, and that's where he's special. But I think where it takes off this year, Mike, is just the – I think you're going to see the offense even open up a little bit to where they're going to go, wait, you know he's comfortable now, and he'll know where to get the ball out of his hands if he gets pressure. So maybe we can get more of these three and four wide sets and open it up. I still think they'll protect. Protect him, but I think he'll have other answers too uh, when the teams do blitz them. And I, I think they're gonna be scary. I, I I don't think the Dallas defense has much of a chance tonight. I think it's just gonna be just does Tampa Bay mess up every now and then to give Dallas's defense a chance.
1: I remember when Rob Gronkowski joined the Buccaneers last year, we thought it was inevitable that at some point O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray one of the two was going to be traded. Howard got injured week four. So that kind of solved that issue. But now Howard's back, and they did all those great things last year without a guy who was a first-round tight end. And I know he's never fully and completely clicked the way that he was expected to coming out of Alabama, but still, he's back. And this is a new wrinkle that we didn't see as the Buccaneers really hit their stride last year. How do you expect to see him get worked into this mix now that he's healthy?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's just another personnel set that they can put you in a bind. They have an overpowering offensive line, like you and I discuss a lot, right? I mean, how many times last year at the end in the playoffs did we show plays where it's like, look, if they just block straight and let Leonard Fournette run behind and figure out where he wants to go. We'll just push everybody back and do that. They're still the same offensive line, and now, like you're talking about, you have two big bodies at tight end to where, yeah, they can impose their physical will that way, but then they can get into the, like the Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski, New England offense to where these are two guys that can split out. And now you got, you know, your base defense in and you're big and you're trying to stop the run, and now they split you out with Evans and Godwin and Howard and Gronkowski and you go, "Oh no, like we're at a disadvantage here the defense. We got all our big people on the field and, you know, Howard and Gronk can still run pretty good. Howard can really run." And I just think it's just another element that just makes this team scary, and that's why you know, talking to Drew Brees yesterday, we just we were we were in awe at times to go, and this is one of the most talented, if not the most talented offense Brady's ever been in.
1: And when you think back to what the Patriots could do when they had the two tight ends who were extremely yeah. versatile, tie it back to the comment that was made by Mike Evans recently about no huddle right. or no huddle this right. year. When you have guys that you can move around at will, you catch the defense in a bad group of 11 for what you want to do when it's time to go exactly. pedal to the metal and you just keep going and you move them around and you press it harder and you move this guy here and they can't what can they do call time out at some point and or throw in the towel because when you have that kind of versatility that's where you can go into your no huddle offense and before you know it it's touchdown
2: Exactly right. They're going to be able to apply pressure on you in so many different ways, and then that that point you make, that comfort in the offense. You know, last year, hey, we've heard Brady say they'd break the huddle, and he was still thinking about the play as he was walking to the line of scrimmage. That's a huge disadvantage for a quarterback. That's like being a rookie in some ways. You know, that's the things that I went through as a rookie in John Gruden's offense. Break the huddle. He told me the play. Yes, I said the play right in the huddle for one of the few times that I did that. And then now I'm trying to figure out where everybody's going, that's a hard way to play quarterback. You know, in a chaos game that you got to make split-second decisions. Brady's not. He's going to be a machine in the offense this year. And then yes, with them being able to add more offense and more creativity and personnel set. That's where it's really scary uh, as far as what they can look like on the offensive side of the ball. And Mike, I mean, it's the Dallas defense. Where, yeah, I think it could be, it's going to be better, but I don't know how much better it'll be. And I, I expect him to pick them apart tonight.
1: Can't be much worse than it was last year. Dan Quinn no. brings the Seattle scheme into Dallas, and we've talked about this. In the past, and I'm curious as to whether your thoughts have changed at all. I just think they have to throw caution to the wind. They have to try anything and everything, kitchen sink, die quickly or slowly, take quick death, and hope that your offense can match from a point standpoint. Get into a shootout. Let's have 41 38 right out of the gates. So let's hope it's still close late, but you have to trust that the offense is going to do its part. But I think the defense has to be willing to take some chances in order to get one of those moments. Yeah where Tom Brady coughs up the ball, they get an interception, flip the field, break serve, tennis match, just break serve once or twice and hope your offense can hold serve all game long.
2: I totally agree with you, Mike, 100%.
1: You know, one...
2: Um, you got to do some different looks and take some calculated chances here and there. Now you can't just go totally crazy because then he's just gonna he's gonna just absolutely bombard you with big plays and big throws and the right checks. But like what I'll think about with Dan Quinn, the first half of Super Bowl Fifty One, right against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean that's what caught Brady and the Patriots off guard. It was it was. Yeah, it's a lot of the same scheme, but they gave a lot of different looks and different ways to do it to where Brady and the Patriots had a hard time early on figuring out what the hell was going on. But what happened? The second half, they ran out of tricks in Atlanta, and Brady settled in. And the other thing I always go to is like, yes, Dan Quinn, I think he's going to improve this defense. But, man, Brady's played this defense in Dan Quinn in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 49. He played at a course with the Atlanta Falcons in that Super Bowl. He had Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game, which runs the same defensive scheme. The Chargers in in a divisional playoff game, he has great understanding of the scheme in general, let alone he played Atlanta last year who ran the same scheme. So that's where if they just say status quo Seattle defense, good night. They're going to get torn apart. they got to do something, you're right, to give them an edge, but they just can't go overboard. It's got to be calculated risk, and uh, that's something we'll definitely have our eye on tonight.
1: As he said after Super Bowl 51, you can't show me anything I haven't seen, and that's the challenge. How do you come up with only 11 guys to deploy? How do you come up with something that can confuse and confound Tom Brady? And the one thing that has worked over the years, pressure specifically up the middle. He can move around and escape as it comes at him from the left and right end. Yeah, he's great there. Straight up the middle, that's where there's a problem, and I think that's where the Cowboys' defense needs to overload its resources in an effort to break that dam before he spots a guy and fires one of those 30-yard lasers that's hovering six feet off the ground. Right, uh, right. Look, I— I, I I want to give the Cowboys a chance because I want the game to be exciting. And this could be yeah. another one of those where tomorrow when we're having this conversation, we're like, oh, I should have seen that coming. Man, I should have seen that coming. Who knows what we're going to find out tonight. But it sure seems like the Buccaneers, with everyone back and Brady more comfortable, will be gaining yards and scoring points. And the only thing the Cowboys can hope for is to match them and maybe get lucky and take the ball away in one moment. So when the Cowboys have the ball, what are you looking for from Dak Prescott coming off of the badly broken ankle, the shoulder injury that, as you believe, was a byproduct of adjusting the throwing motion to compensate for that lack of confidence that may be lingering when you bury the, the right ankle into the ground and get ready to throw? What do you expect to see from him tonight, given that we've seen nothing from him all of training camp or preseason.
2: It's the million dollar question, right? Dak Prescott, how how good can he be? Really, that's that's where I look. Because, like, Mike, let me ask you this first off. I, you don't do you think they can win the game, Dallas, by defense and run the ball and ball control? I mean, like, no, what? what you, no. Yeah, right. Okay, that's. What I just wanted. To, yeah, we're on the same page. There. There's just you're not gonna run against this defensive front. Like, good night. Nobody could run against them last year. So the game is gonna be on Dak Prescott. I I really do believe that. And yes, is he gonna be at the level to where we saw him early last year where he can, you know, make unreal plays? This is what makes Dak Prescott really special. You know, he is unreal at throwing with people around him, grabbing in his jersey, just about to get hit. It's not that he's like the greatest scrambler in the world, but he's really good at moving in the pocket and not, you know, feeling pressure and still being able to make really aggressive throws that you see down here with people kind of all around him. He does not flinch, you know, when he's in the crosshairs. And then that's really what is the thing that jumps out to me. And then, of course, he's a really good down-the-field thrower. So I look at it kind of, I think, the way you do, Mike. Like, Dallas and the offense are going to have to, you know, have an an all-time type of night and put up big-time yards and be able to throw the football to win this football game. I just say that's very unlikely against this defense with a quarterback that hasn't played football in ten months and, you know, is is didn't get to play preseason football either. I just I have a hard time thinking they're gonna be hitting on all cylinders.
1: And the mental burden that we've talked about from time to time as it relates to Joe Burrow, who suffered his horrific knee injury in the pocket. Dak Prescott's broken ankle came after he went down the field and was tackled. I wonder whether that makes it easier for him, Chris to not worry as much, and this is natural, this is normal. Coming yeah, off of is. an injury like that, right. the normal human reaction is, whoa, watch my ankle, watch my ankle. I-, I think in a weird sort of way, he'll be less inclined to worry about the ankle behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know. Yeah. I hope for his sake, for the Cowboys' sake, that he's not carrying that burden around, but it's it's human, it's normal, it's natural for that to occur. So It, it, de- it definitely uh, is. But but I think there's an advantage to him that it didn't happen in the pocket.
2: Yes, uh, agreed. Yeah, the, you're right. You would you would be more conscious of you know, the pocket if you got hurt in the pocket. To to me, where where he'll have to have that that brake pad, that governor switch, whatever. To just hey, now you're outside of the pocket. Like, and okay, let's. And Dominican grabbing on your shoulder here, and you've moved out. Just go down. Don't be Dak Prescott that we saw before the ankle injury and think you're going to be able to run out. Like, not right now. Maybe seven weeks from now, and you want to try that? Sure. But here in week one, you know, play it safe in those scenarios. And then, yes, hopefully he is comfortable within the pocket, you know. But that's where I just think it's going to take a miraculous effort from the Cowboys' offense. And, you know, even to flip that around a little bit, Mike, like, I would think that the Tampa Bay defense, which they made improvements at the end of the year to not be overly aggressive and put their corners in one-on-one positions against Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, I think they realized, like, hey, wait, we got a really good front. Let's just let them stop the run. The only way Tampa loses this game, to me, is if Todd Bowles gets too aggressive and leaves Cooper or C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup one-on-one on on the island too much and then Dak Prescott strikes downfield. And if I'm Tampa, I'm playing a little bit like I did against the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, no, I'm not going to give up any big plays. You're going to have to earn it and to run the ball. And Ezekiel Elliott's one of the biggest questions in football, in my opinion. Yeah, I got to see it to believe it first. Uh, And and their run game has not been that special the last few years. Ezekiel Elliott has not been that special, but the pass game is is special and Cooper's special when he's healthy CeeDee Lamb's special and Dak Prescott the numbers show this is one of the best downfield throwers the last few seasons of football to me that's the only way they lose the game and I would think they're smart enough to know that but you see these plays I mean this is Andy Dalton here it's CeeDee Lamb they raved about him on hard knocks they're, they're thinking yes. takeoff superstar so uh they're that's the scary part of this Cowboys offense
1: yeah, they've got some great receivers and Dak Prescott has to take full advantage of them. Maybe you soften the defense up a little bit with the passing game and that opens up things for Ezekiel Elliott. Pushes Safeties away from the line of scrimmage and give you some running lanes, but the problem is Nozak Martin, at least for now, barring an injury, yeah. they have a contingency plan in place to get him there. Maybe they're going to drop him out of that helicopter that was hovering over you yesterday with a parachute along with the turkeys <laughs> that get dropped out of it. But uh, if they don't have him, and we have to assume at this point they won't, maybe there's a, a, a sliver of a chance that they will, makes it even harder to run, makes it even more likely that it's going to be coming out party for C.D. Lamb. If this really is next level for Lamb, who was... Very good last year. He wasn't Justin Jefferson, but he was very good. But they right. do expect him. You get that sense that he's going to be great in 2021. And this is going to be the last year, I think, that it's Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb on the same team. I think Cooper's going to be gone next year for financial reasons. So get the most out of the fact that you've got Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb. And and that, that points even more to Dak Prescott uh, throwing the ball all over the place and hoping score, score, score and get lucky or get smart or just get the ball in your hands when Tampa Bay has it and maybe maybe you've got a close game at the end and they're a little rattled so if you keep it close into the fourth quarter maybe they're a little bit rattled and you can steal it from them
2: yeah, that, that, that's right. That's what they gotta hope for. Just can we be within striking distance in the fourth quarter to maybe where we can make a few plays with our stud star players and come out with the victory? But it's 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 tough circumstances because you just look at it and you go, "Hey, on paper, Dallas is not in the same class as Tampa Bay. You know, on film, they're not in the same class as Tampa Bay. And of course, they can't have the same confidence and bravado the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. Let alone they're gonna have this stadium going insane, crazy behind." Behind them tonight, and that's going to be a tough element to play in. So it's it's unprecedented territories. Where we're going to see a quarterback come back from football, you know, having played in 10 months, and they're going to just go, hey, can you carry the team tonight for us? Just right off the bat, you haven't played preseason, but carry us. Against the Super Bowl champs, and that's where it's tough. And you know, that's where you know, you say Amari Cooper, it might be his last year. If Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a good year this year, I think it's his last year here too. You know, it's it, there's there's uh, they got to see more from this running game, and and hopefully that can help them out. But I just don't think it's going to happen tonight.
1: I, I need to just pause for a second and emphasize something you said because for those of us who grew up in the '70s, the idea. That the Cowboys and the Buccaneers would be getting together to start the season. And the (laughs) Buccaneers would be the team with the bravado, the yuccaneers that were 0-16 in 76 (laughs) when the Cowboys were in the middle of their Roger Staubach run and went 0-26 before they finally won a game. And John McKay was properly, properly delivering lines about... Being in favor of execution, <laughs> that's not the way he <laughs> said it. A little better than Brian
2: Kelly. Yeah. How different
1: the world has cho- What is the world coming to that right? the Buccaneers are the ones with the bravado and not America's team, Chris?
2: I know. It, it is. it's is. They've stolen that thunder. You know, the Cowboys, you know, even when I was growing up in the 90s, you know, and even into the 2000s, even though they didn't win Super Bowls, they were still one of those teams when they took the field with Tony Romo and, Demar, uh, you know, uh, DeMarcus Ware and that group where you just went, whoa, look at this team. I mean, they had the look of at least a, a Lisa Super Bowl team. They got some studs on this team, but, man, Tampa's that team right now. Tampa's that team that gets off the bus and you go, if a fight breaks out with all 32 teams, Tampa's going to be in the Final Four. they They're So they got that, let alone speed at the right positions. A coach who has a great attitude of, like, Putting the poker to their butt, and then can make them loose when things are tight, Uh, and then of course the ultimate general in Brady, to where yeah they got there. That's the new captain comeback and Roger Stallback, and you're right, they've got some of that mojo that the the Cowboys used to have.
1: Well, hopefully no fight breaks out tonight, but if it does, Chris Sims, former Buccaneer, is ready to jump in on behalf of the guys in Pewter. That's right. I'm on the Buccaneers team. Right. Guns out. Sims is ready to go. All right. Right. Let's take a break. Cam Newton is ready to go. More specifically, he's ready to talk. He's got something to say. We're going to try to figure out what it may be when PFT Live continues right after this.
2: I think TJ should get whatever the heck he wants. Uh, he's arguably the best football and, and football football player in the game right now, not just on defense, just in general. Um, you know, I've been through a few negotiations here with contracts. Um, you know, one of the reasons I took less money was for guys like him to get paid, and he needs to get paid. Um, he deserves every penny that he wants and asks for. And so, um, you know, TJ Watt is is that guy that should get whatever he
0: wants.
1: You know, at one point I predicted that by the time we get to November, the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger will both regret getting back together for one more year. I think the Steelers officially have reached the point of regret. Ben, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's, that's a strong statement from Ben Roethlisberger. I took less money so guys like this could get paid, and he did. He took sure. $5 million. Gone. Gone. Think about that. $5 million, Gone. To come back this year to help the Steelers manage their cap. And the good news is Watt practiced yesterday, but there's still no deal in place for the Steelers and T.J. Watt, and we continue to wait. And you know the rule in Pittsburgh, no negotiation once the season starts. they got three days left to get it done, Chris.
2: Yeah, those rules, as we talked about twice already this week, they they got to throw them out the window and evolve with the times. It, it's cool, and I know you know the the Rooneys are one of the 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 great you know Godfathers of the NFL, and certainly I respect them. But you know they've evolved in a lot of other ways. You know they're not still playing the same defensive scheme they were playing in the '60s. They got into the Blitzburg back you know in the late '80s and '90s. Like, yeah, they're you know, playing the same with- defense they were playing in the '80s. <laughs> <That's> yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, slight difference. But, like evolve though, like. That's still crazy to me that we're talking about this. Well, you know what I, you know what the point I was trying to say, but but yeah, and and you know what, I really respect Ben for saying that. I do, you know, first off, the player's in a tough spot when those questions are answered. Yeah, you don't want to burn the franchise, but you simply don't want to burn the guys in the locker room and a a guy like TJ Watt, where like he said at the end of the com at the end of that, like he's that dude. Everybody in the locker room knows TJ Watts, the best player on that football team, or certainly one of the two best. I mean, they know it. And, you know, that goes a long way through an organization, too. You've talked about this before. When you got a guy who fits the mold of the organization, fits the scheme, and then does all the things off the field, and then on the field, he's a force to be reckoned with. You know, you got to take care of those guys when you're an organization. And right now, you know, the Steelers don't have necessarily the best reputation in that department. You know, going back to Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, guys in the locker room notice those type of things. So that's where, uh, you know, I respect Ben and, and Pittsburgh's got to find a way to get this done to just squash all this this talk about it.
1: And for a guy who started his career not being all that popular in the locker room, it took Ben a long time before he got enough votes to even be a team captain. This is the kind of thing that your teammates will love, and T.J. Watt will love it. Ben is out there on the front line saying to Mr. Rooney through the media, pay this guy, what are you doing? Not just pay him, but, dude, we had the conversation. I'm giving up money so we can pay the guy's who deserve it, and T.J. Watt deserves it. And Rich Eisen was banging the drum again yesterday that you and I have mentioned to the extent that the Steelers are concerned about the precedent they're setting here. The next time a guy walks in and says, but you did it for T.J. Watt, the response is, you're not T.J. Watt. Play like T.J. Watt, and we'll do it for you.
2: Exactly. That's what it is. I mean, that's what talks in football, especially in the NFL world. I mean, the play on the field, the money you're making uh, you know, in your pocket, that has great, you know, s- s- uh, what about, a very high standard in the NFL locker room. I mean, that is the guy. That's how everybody's judged by. And, yes, that's, that's got to go by the wayside. To think you're going to treat every player the same way, not even the players in the locker room expect that. None of them do. New England is the closest we've seen to that, and that still wasn't like that all the way. Brady and Gronk and the stars there, they got away with more than, you know, the guy who was the 45th man on the roster. Maybe not as much as maybe other organizations, but that's just standard protocol in any business around the world. Oh, this guy's the guy that's our moneymaker. He's the best at it. Yeah, the rules get changed a little bit for those type of people. And uh, that's where it's, it's, they got to get out of the stone age with that a little bit, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we'll see if they can get it done between now and Sunday when, according to one of their rules, they no longer do contracts. And Chris, I can't help but wonder whether at some level they're influenced by that revolving door that we saw and we've seen in the years of free agency where they let those great pass rushers go, they let Bud Dupree go, and they reload with somebody else. But at some point, one of those guys is so good that you can't let him go. And TJ Watt, in my mind, falls into that category. Now, Ben Roethlisberger's comments from Wednesday may have been inspired in part by the candor that we've seen this year from Aaron Rodgers who is trying to speak up a little bit more and make it known when he wants guys to be taken care of Rodgers yesterday addressed how things are going as he enters what could be his final season in Green Bay let's have a listen
0: there is a lot of unknowns um, I've talked about it various uh, various times still so camp uh, people's uh, contracts and situations uh, down the line. Um, Still the right perspective is needed, I think for all of us. Um, I think we don't feel pressure. Uh, I'm speaking personally, I can't speak for everybody, but I, the, the feel that I get with the energy in the locker room is not pressure, it's uh, focus, I really do. I think it's the right perspective and the right type of focus. Uh, we know we have a talented team, we know what the expectations are, um, we're just focusing on accountability and holding each other accountable Uh, because regardless of what happens with any of our situations, this group will not be together the way it is now in years down the line. So we're going to enjoy this year for all it has to offer and each other. And I think that's the right perspective to have in, in, in this situation.
1: First remark I want to make, and this is an important observation. Every time I see Aaron Rodgers now and I see that hair unkempt at the back of his head, the the, the return of the mullet, I, I may or may not have had those that same effect back in the day. I can hear my mother saying, will you please get your hair cut? Every time I see him now, my mother's voice ricocheting inside my brain. Will you please get your hair cut? Now, far more oh. importantly than that, you know, I, I, look... When he said that this group of guys we have together isn't going to be together years down the line, it's not going to be together next year. That's the thing about the NFL now. Every year is a self-contained unit of players Mm -hmm. that will be changed dramatically. I don't know is he finally coming to this realization after 18 years in the league. That is kind of strange. But, you know, he's very reflective. He's very aware. It reminds me of what he said about last year. He entered 2020 viewing it as his last year with the Packers. And I think that that same mindset is going to drive him this year. He's viewing it, even if he's back next year, he's viewing it as maybe my last year, definitely the last year. This group of guys is together. Let's go do something special.
2: Yeah, that's right. You don't know. You never know in the NFL. I do think though, this last two years are the first time he's probably like a little bit like I don't know about me here on this football team, which is strange to him and probably why he's bringing it up a little bit more. Because you know, in years past, he's like, "I'm going to be here, so we're going to be good," and we'll we'll see what the future holds. But I'm going to be here now. He doesn't know he's going to be there, so he doesn't know. There is unknown for sure. I, I expect it to be Rodgers last year. I do, but within reason. Within reason, I would say. Like, I think he's still smart enough and aware enough that, like, if they have a good year and he, again, is in the MVP conversation, and let's say they get to the Super Bowl or. NFC Championship game or, or win the Super Bowl, I don't think he's going to be so stubborn that he's going to be like, screw the Packers and Gutenkoos and Mark Murphy and I'm out of here. Because I think he'll reassess and go, yeah, screw them still, but I still like the rest of the guys. And I can still make this work. And I'll just deal with you know having to deal with those two at other times and whatever and try to ignore it to a degree. Uh, so I don't. Like, I want to say it's his last year, but I think within reason is how I would kind of like wrap
1: it all together. Somebody asked me that recently. What does it take for Aaron Rodgers to come back? And I think Super Bowl appearance, minimum. Victory helps. If they win the Super Bowl, how does he walk away? How does he do that? Unless he's retiring. I don't think he can sell. Because remember, despite all the concerns he has about the front office, I love my teammates, I love my coaches, I love the fans. You can't do that to teammates, coaches, and fans if you win the Super Bowl. I mean, you can, but I think he'll believe he can't. Remember, he's very sensitive about being regarded as the villain. That's the ultimate villain move. Win the Super Bowl and still have gas in the tank and go play for somebody else. Unless he's retiring, I think he stays. But if they do 13 and 3 or 14 and 3 or 13 and 4 now that they're 17 games and lose at or before the NFC Championship, I I feel like that's it. I, I really you. do.
2: I'm with you, I, I'm so you're you're saying basically like I'm with you and the line of demarcation is NFC championship, right? Next, level, where, or yes, next
1: right. level or ne- out. yeah, next level or out.
2: Exactly right. Right. I, I That's kind of how I look at it, too. You know, even if, you know, even if I think he gets to the NFC Championship game and played great, and, you know, of course he knows, let's say, Devontae Adams is going to be back and, you know, some other circumstances are to his liking, uh, and they lost the NFC Championship game, I don't think he's just going to, like, give that up and go, let me go try with another team and see where it goes. That, that's where I guess I can envision it. So I, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to watch and, you know, it's there for the they're they're certainly in the running for the second best team in the nfc there's no question about that it's just we got the 49ers who we think will be healthy this year and stafford and the rams who could be a player uh so we'll just see where the season goes for the packers
1: brady's going to be a factor in this as well too chris because i could see rogers looking at brady's situation and saying you know what to the extent that i am going to have this second act somewhere else the sooner i get started the sooner we're hitting on all cylinders and I'm comfortable and people are comfortable around me and it's growing. And if we see a dramatic improvement in the early regular season performance of the Bucks, and they carry it through and they're they're among the teams left standing at the end, I think that's an even greater message to Rodgers that if you're going to do this, you better do it now so you can get four or five years with another team and maybe match or beat the number of championships that you won during your time in Green Bay, which currently is one and holding. Cam Newton has been to a Super Bowl, hasn't won a Super Bowl, currently does not have a team. He had been very quiet in the aftermath of the stunning release of Newton by the Patriots nine days ago. Yesterday on Instagram, he posted a little bit of a teaser for something that is coming on Funky Friday. Let's hear from Cam Newton about his immediate plans.
0: On this week's Funky Friday, I have a lot of things that I need to get off my chest. This is not a retirement speech, and I have a lot of football still in it.
1: I have listened to that at least 50 times. He did say Funky Friday. Chris and I have had some text messages that debated whether or not it was funky. It is funky. There's nothing funky about that. He said funky. So, on this week's Funky Friday, he's got a lot of things he needs to get off his chest. It's not a retirement speech. I still have a lot of football in me. What in the world has he got to get off of his chest? And I hope he doesn't start airing grievances about the Patriots because if you're looking for another team to sign you, you don't enhance your chances of getting another job if you're taking shots at the team that most recently had employed you.
2: Yeah, I mean agreed. That, that's that was the number one thing I thought of. Or just, you know, be careful what you say on Funky Friday, Cam Newton. That 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 can affect your status and how you're looked at in the NFL. Yeah, if you spout off or, or even just create too much attention to yourself, it's going to be a turnoff to teams. You know, especially like where the backup quarterback thing, that'll be out the door if this is too much of a spectacle. Never going to happen. I don't think it'll happen here. I'm I'm with you there. He's a reps guy. He's not a backup quarterback. That's just not what he was put on earth to be. So, yes, but either way, if he brings too much attention or causes a a kerfuffle, right, I think I use that correctly, Bang is bam I'm awesome and then th- that's not you know even if a team has a quarterback go down they're gonna be like uh oh, do we want to deal with all of this and and you know just the attention that comes with cam Newton and his his play worthy of dealing with that so that's the one thing I would just say to him just be careful what you say on this funky Friday uh Instagram live thing he's got going on
1: I still have a lot of football left in me uh, and 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 maybe he does and You know, He made the comment earlier this year he's still one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the game. A lot of people believe that, but right now he doesn't have one of the starting jobs or backup jobs. I think we agree he's not wired to do the Joe Flacco thing. That's what makes Joe Flacco so rare, a former franchise quarterback who chooses to hang around and take whatever he can get, whatever spot on the depth chart he's given – Whatever lower-level salary that entails, he'll do it. He's one of the few. You're not going to see a Peyton Manning do it. You're not going to see a Tom Brady do it. You're not going to see most franchise quarterbacks. Do you think Aaron Rodgers would ever take... A second spot on the depth chart? I mean, and Brady's position is I'm playing as long as I can play at a championship level. Well, if you're not a starter, you're definitely not at a championship level. You're not going to just hang around just because you love it that much that you want to be part of it. So that doesn't fit for Cam Newton. It doesn't fit for a lot of guys. And uh, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out what he's going to say. But I agree with you. Be careful. Tread lightly. Because you want to preserve the opportunity to have the phone ring when the injury happens. It's not going to ring until then. You want the team to not say, we're just going to go next man up with this backup quarterback who's a backup for a reason. We're going to go get Cam Newton. You want the team to make that call. Don't say anything tomorrow that would turn a team off from making the phone call. That's the best advice we could give him.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's, he's on his last lifeline here. I mean, if he's a cat and nine lives, he's used eight of them. I mean, that's why you and I were just, like, disappointed in what he did with New England. And, of course, the the COVID mishap and, you know, the misunderstanding there. Whatever it was. You know, it, it this is it. And added to that, like we talked about, he's not necessarily just a plug-and-play quarterback. You know, he is a reps guy. He can get out of rhythm in a hurry throwing the football if he doesn't get, get a, a lot of reps. And... You know, where I also just look at it and go, man, you messed up with this New England thing. New England is one of those teams that could formulate the offense that fits the Cam Newton and play a style that fits him. You know, as we know, a lot of these – coaches and offensive coordinators are, are not capable of doing that and don't do that they just go this is what we do and you come here and play you know so that's where he really dropped the ball in my opinion as far as losing that opportunity with the New England Patriots to kind of revive his career and yeah right now I don't see any team on the horizon that would even think about it or is going to bend their way or style a play to sign Cam Newton and yeah it's going to just take an injury and we'll see we'll see what happens after that.
1: And the problem is what he does best, he can't consistently do without getting injured himself. That's sure. the problem. Sure. For as big as he is and as indestructible as he appears to be. And I think over the years, coaches have gotten intoxicated by the fact that he is a giant. Yeah. That he is yeah. an impressive physical specimen. But he's made of the same stuff the rest of us are. And he gets banged up like most other people do. So he can't play the way that he used to. And you're right. What kind of an offense are you going to run with Cam Newton? What are you going to devise on the fly? And it will be easier for a team to say, "We got a backup that knows our offense. Let's just let's just do that." Yeah. And, and a lot of teams, a lot of teams would would admit privately, "We're screwed if we lose our starting quarterback." Right. Why are we going to complicate our lives? We got to build an excuse. Why did we stink this year? Starting quarterback tore his ACL week three. That's why we stunk. We were just trying to hold it together. We did our best to hold it together. We're not going to complicate our lives by raising expectations, bringing in a former MVP, expected now to do more with him, and we know we can't. So it's going to make it very difficult for him to find a landing spot this year. All right, let's take a break. The starting quarterback in San Francisco is the guy they told us it was going to be all along and some of us still don't want to accept it and Kyle Shanahan still won't utter the words but Jimmy G will. We'll talk about that when BFT Live continues right after this. Maybe below the starting
0: um, I'm not going to answer that because I feel like all you guys got to do is look how I've talked since July 27th, I think it was my opening day press conference. Um, I almost wish I wasn't being hard headed with it, but I feel like you guys are being a little hard headed to keep asking. I feel like I've already answered it, so um, we'll keep it at that. <laughs>
2: at what point were you told or not told uh, that you would be the starting quarterback this <laughs> Uh for a while. Uh, I told you guys a long time ago, I had a pretty good feeling about it. Uh, I kind of joked about it, but yeah, I always kind of knew where I stood and everything, and uh, yeah, now it's official, I guess. It really wasn't an official competition, but did it feel like a competition? Uh, Not to me,
1: no. I I go into it pretty consistently every day, just the same attitude. I mean, it's always a competition, but you're competing against the defense during training camp. Now we're competing against Detroit in this week and everything,
2: but uh, yeah, that's kind of always where I've been with my head, and it, it helped me stay steady throughout this whole thing.
1: I got a couple challenge flags to throw in what Jimmy G said. First of all, it wasn't all that long ago that he said he's got a pretty good feeling. It was like a week ago, and before yeah. that, Chris, as you've surmised, the door was open for Trey Lance. He just didn't walk through it. Right. Plain and simple.
2: Yeah, no, plain and simple. I, you know, I, I mean, again, I don't know why Kyle Shanahan won't say just, yeah, Jimmy's our starter. That That's it. I, I don't know why he doesn't, maybe he doesn't want to be associated with that headline. The door's still I, I open.
1: Because the door's I, still open. Well, the, b- yeah, Because yeah, the right. door's
2: still open for Trey Lance. That's why. It is. I mean, it is, but I don't think it is for this week.
1: But yes, I mean... No, but, but it's again, so, but he's leaving the light on for Trey Lance. You're right. So you you're start, right. you start giving credence to the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is our starting quarterback for 2021. It makes it more awkward if... That little package of plays for Trey Lance grows and grows and grows, and then, hey, you know, uh, our starter isn't Jimmy Garoppolo anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, Mike, I think you're probably right. I do. I don't have an answer for this one, uh, you know, other than, like, just the details and evidence we saw throughout the offseason that we've talked about so much. You know, there's, there's obviously a dislike or not comfortable with the abilities of Jimmy Garoppolo within that San Francisco offense. I mean, obvious. You don't need to hear Kyle Shanahan say it or anything. The actions speak way louder than the words. I mean, come on. We went through the list of things that we saw, you know, all offseason. You know, Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? I don't know, but it's anybody but Jimmy Garoppolo. So, there's obviously a issue with how he runs the football team, but but I, I don't know where it goes from here. I don't. And you know, the other thing too is like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as we go forward here, I don't think he's gonna be shy about some of these things. I don't. What's he got to lose? What has he got to lose? Right. Like, you know, like we saw last week, he talked about how he talked to Drew Brees and how he handled the Taysom Hill thing. There was no discussion about, or nobody had said anything about that in San Francisco until Jimmy G. I think he's got a little bit of like the you know, F it. What do I got to lose? You ask ask the question, I'm going to answer it. I don't give a damn. I mean, doesn't seem like Kyle likes me anyway. So I'll just tell you guys the truth, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, and I think that attitude manifested itself in that clip we saw of him going headfirst into the end zone, taking on a couple of Raiders. He is going to throw caution to the wind. And the reality is the more recklessly he plays, the more likely he gets injured, and the sooner the door opens For Trey Lance to take the job, not because Jimmy Garoppolo was benched, but because he can't play because he's injured. And one thing I've noticed, and it is somewhat comical to me, and I understand the way fans are wired, a lot of 49ers fans get upset when we say these things, and I think what upsets them is we are saying out loud the things that they are concerned about. And if you're a 49ers fan, you're concerned that they don't have a plan. They haven't had a plan. The entire offseason has just been ricocheting around possibilities and then creating the impression there's a plan. But wait, what is the plan? All that that we gave up, three first-round picks and a third-round pick, and the guy's going to be a cameo player at best. That's the plan now? What is the plan? Where does this go? What is our short-term plan? What's our long-term plan? Maybe that's the strategy. If so, Bravo, 49ers, you have successfully confused everyone as to what your plan is.
2: Yeah, I I mean, yes, I'm with you. I mean, it it does. You know, the optics of the situation, you explained it pretty good. It it does appear that way in a lot of ways. And, you know, added to that, to where maybe the angst comes from Shanahan or, you know, the 49er fan-based organization. Listen, there was five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. You know, Trey Lance looked the least of all five of them in the preseason. I'm sorry. I don't know the way to say it. Is there some good? They all look good. So I'm not trying to say it was bad, but he looked by far the least ready. That's what I do know. I mean, Zach Wilson's ready. Mac Jones is ready right now. Put him in. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's ready and is also in the toughest situation with new coach, everything we talked about there. Justin Fields, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more, but he's ready. It's not overwhelming to him, and he didn't show signs of like, whoa, I can screw the game up for the whole organization. You know, that's where the Trey Lance thing gets a little little interesting. You know, it's just there's a real rawness to his game where you just go, I, you, you can't make him the starter this year I just, you can't I would be scared to with the way he looked in the preseason the missed throws you know the unawareness in the pocket he is clearly a year away at least in my opinion now there's some highlight plays like you see here I mean this is a rocket down the middle here's Shanahan coming up with a play that you're not going to see him run until week seven in the NFL season but did it to make Trey Lance look good jumpstart his confidence but there's too many other missed wide open slam dunk high school throws that he should complete and the unawareness in the pocket to take sacks and all and all of that that goes with it I think that's concerning and that's added more pressure to the whole situation as well
1: as we've sat here and talked about this today Chris I've I've run through my memory banks some of the different things that Kyle Shanahan has said throughout the offseason. And one thing coaches need to realize, and this is separate and apart from your football skills, you are the conduit to the fans. You're speaking to the fans. And their confidence or lack thereof in the team, in many respects, is going to be influenced by the things you say, how you say them. And I think back to Kyle after the draft, when they took Trey Lance. He explained how all the different rumors and speculation he just kind of sat back and kept his mouth shut because he was kind of amused by it all he was amused by the Mac Jones talk they didn't do anything to reel that in what do we need to do we didn't need to reel it in well here's a reason why maybe you should have put a hose on the Mac Jones talk as soon as it bubbled up Mac Jones is starting week one yeah. Mac Jones went 12 picks after you took Trey Lance and I, I think that to the extent that, that Kyle took a break from studying X's and O's to become a sociologist and, and a, a student of human nature, he, he may have misstepped here by not killing the Mac Jones talk earlier, assuming that there wasn't anything to it. Now, right. Chris, you right. and I believe there was something to it, but regardless, yeah. from a PR standpoint, from a customer relations standpoint from a how much confidence do you inspire in your fan standpoint, they blew it because Mac Jones is starting. And if Mac Jones is great this year and Trey Lance is in bubble wrap or just playing a little bit, that's not going to fly with the faithful. And they're not going to like it when we say it, but privately they're going to be grumbling among themselves saying, what the hell did we do? We should have taken Mac Jones.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, but the one thing I'll say to that faithful is, goes, you know, a lot of you were the reasons that the, 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 they were backing. Like, what? You can't take Mac Jones and a guy that looks like that over Trey Lance,
0: <laughs> you know. So I want to
2: go like eat it, Forty Nine er fans. You wanted this, so you know, <laughs> shut up. I don't know how to say it. Shut the hell up. You can't have it right, both right. ways. But the well, Mac right. Jones. But go ahead, go ahead. What are you gonna say? No,
1: I was gonna say it's incumbent on Kyle Shanahan at that point because there, yes. there was no game to be played. That's the point. Right. Trevor Lawrence is going first. Zach Wilson is going second. You don't have to mess around. You don't have to play any games with anyone. You right. can say Mac is our guy, and I know he doesn't look like a conventional chiseled athlete. He's anything but, but trust us. He's going to be pretty good. We believe right. in him. This is why we moved up here. He's our guy. And I don't know whether they outsmarted themselves. I don't know what they did. But, yeah, but they, they, they turned something into a game that didn't need to be a game, Chris. And now the game's potentially going to blow up in their face.
2: I, 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 just, I get the impression, really, that Shanahan wanted to do something new on his offensive side of the ball. You know? you read things in in the news and everything the impression of hey he's got a lot of coaches in his coaching tree running his offense that are similar to that you know that's similar to his you know people are stealing his plays You know, I think those were probably all things that were running through his mind. The one thing I would say is just like, man, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You know, none of these disciples that have come off your tree are as good as you. I I watch Matt Lafleur's offense in Green Bay all the time. I go, no, it ain't Kyle Shanahan in the 49ers. There's not, he's not as good. It's not as creative on a week-to-week basis. It doesn't matter if it's McVay, anybody. So I think like Shanahan didn't give himself enough credit for what he could do with Mac Jones, if that's what it came down to. I don't know that. Again, I don't know. Yeah, I thought this is my friend. I thought he was drafting Mac Jones. Obviously, I don't know. So, you know, but the other thing that I think is worthy of bringing up, and then to your point, is the New England thing has really put pressure on the situation. It's made it twice as more pressurized. It Just because New England doesn't like to play rookies in general, let alone rookies at quarterback. So, you know this dude up there, Mac Attack, is practicing well if they were willing to make him the starter week one. Like, New England doesn't do stuff like that at any position, really, let alone the quarterback. So that's got to be scary to 49ers fans, Shanahan, and and everyone involved in the business as well because, yeah, you know, Belichick seems to have a lot of confidence in a guy and likes the way he looks already.
1: This is the time of year the team's name captains. Mac Jones in New England, not one of the captains. They'll they'll let a rookie play quarterback, but they won't let a rookie be the captain. Yeah, they're going to draw the line, right. In in (laughs) Jacksonville, though, Trevor Lawrence, rookie first overall pick, one of the captains. Here's a neat way that Urban Meyer went about informing his players as to which of them had been elected captains for 2021. Let's have a listen to that.
0: It's
2: me and Indy. She's a little too tired to video right now, but um, I just wanted to say how proud I am of you for being named one of the team captains. Um, I have watched how hard you've worked to get where you're at and I've just always believed in you and I'm so proud of you and I'm excited to see everything you're going to accomplish this season with this team and i'm just excited for it all i'm i'm honored that i get to be by your side through it and i'm just really proud of you um i love you
0: what's up brandon i have been blessed to call you one of my best friends for 20 years
1: over the last few years during my battle with cancer you have been by my side day in and day out i
0: am so excited and it is with great honor that I am able to introduce you, Brandon Linder, as a team captain for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Go Jaguars!
1: My wife snuck up here and started cutting onions during that. I... I uh... Uh, that's powerful, and that, that was a great thing that Urban Meyer did uh, for his team. And and you know what? I I don't know what's going to happen with this Urban Meyer experiment. I, I think there's a lot of a culture clash between college and pro. We've seen it bubble up a few times, Chris, but I, I like that. I like that, and uh, that's a great way to handle it, having family members. They did it for all their captains, seven in all, family members and friends, breaking the news to the team. Great stuff there. Um, so... Trenton really Lawrence. cool,
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I well, he's going to get a lot of Zach- grief just off that. He's going to get a lot of grief for you know, <laughs> his wife doing that. Oh, man, is he going to get it in the locker room for sure? But it was really cool to you your can, point. No but you doubt. know what?
1: You can see the look on his face like – Oh God! Oh really? no! Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's gonna oh, get it. On. Oh
2: baby, you're a captain. He's gonna have to hear that all all week in the locker room. <laughs> uh,
1: but but the, the Brandon Linder with his friend that the, the, the cancer survivor that 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 stuff's powerful to yes. me. So um, amazing. Anyway, 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 Zach Wilson, second overall pick, also a team captain of the New York Jets. We mentioned Mac Jones, not a rookie captain in New England. The most significant news of the day, and I did a double take when. The uh-huh. Dolphins captains came through. And I know, I know that the Tuatonga tonga faithful will say, no big deal, doesn't matter. I, they vote on captains. The players vote on captains. The players know who the leaders are. I, If you're starting quarterback, the guy that just last week, the coach stood up in the locker room, Amid the Deshaun Watson rumors and said, this is our quarterback. If he can't get the votes to be a, an offensive captain, I, 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 I don't know how anyone can say that's meaningless, Chris. No, I'm I'm with you.
2: You know, I am I'm, I'm with you in that thought process. It's eye opening to to a degree, in a, in a lot of ways. You know, first off, like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence being named captains right off the bat. Yeah, they're rookie quarterbacks, and those teams are in like a start of a rebuild. So you name them captains right away. Mac Jones, okay, he's in New England. They got guys that have been there and won multiple Super Bowls. They're not going to name him captain. He's going to have to earn a little bit. I can guarantee you next year, if he plays solid football this year, just solid football, he'll be a captain on the football team. But they got guys there established already. The two a thing is falls more in line with the Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence thing, except it's year two where you go, wait, no, this guy's supposed to be part of the rebuild. This is is a team that's coming together and looks impressive. He's not a captain? Wow. I think it does. I think it, you know, kind of bright red flashing lights go off when you don't see that because, yeah, this is the fifth pick of the draft. You expect him to be the leader of the football team in a lot of different ways, and the guy that everybody looks up to to go, man, he's the man. He's our fifth pick, he's a baller, and he's a leader in the locker room. And obviously there's a thought there in in Miami that he's not that guy right now, and yeah, that's pretty odd for a a top five, top ten pick and going into second year uh, in this particular type of situation.
1: I remember when he admitted earlier this year that he didn't know the offense well enough uh-huh. last year, and that's why he got yanked a couple of times. You and I, and we get accused of hating Tua. We defended him saying, this is refreshing, and it helps understand, it helps us understand why he got benched in those games. But you know what? If you're one of those players, and the quarterback said he didn't know the offense as well as he exactly. needed to last year, you make a note of that, and that's a factor, isn't it? When you're voting on who your leaders are going to officially be. Yeah, he hasn't done enough yet to prove
2: it. He obviously didn't prove it last year. You know, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick outshined him in a lot of different areas. And listen, yeah, we stuck up for him during that up time. And yeah, there's a Tua Mafia. You're not allowed to say anything about him out there. I, it's, it's, it's very apparent. I mean, I've been getting crapped on by the Tua Mafia ever since he came out in the draft. I don't care. Bring it on. Great. Yeah, there's issues there. There's issues,
1: you know. And you know, you're you know, not that far from Miami. They could drive I, up there by the time know, the game starts. Right. So I'd be right. careful.
2: I know. I used to live in Tampa. I know people around here. They don't want to mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that's that that is like a, a, a concerning look overall. Let alone the Deshaun Watson trade rumors. But going back to the thing you just mentioned, yeah, he admitted he didn't know the playbook and and things like that. We said it was refreshing when really. Listen, he got a free pass. Like, I think if there's a lot of quarterbacks in football that make that statement, everybody goes, What the hell? Are you kidding me? The number five pick in the draft didn't work hard, didn't know the playbook if, and things. What if Cam What if Cam Newton had said right, that? Earlier right, right. If year. Cam Newton said that, it would be like, uh, I mean, I don't even know what happened. It would be a revolt. Like, oh, what an idiot that guy is. I can't believe he did that. You know, so that's where he gets a free pass in some of these departments. Like, you got to be real with yourself, Tula Mafia. I'm sorry. So it's a big year and he's obviously done nothing on the field or in practice to quite establish himself as that guy yet hopefully he can do it I'm not rooting against the guy but there's obviously some questions that need to be answered down there and and he's not this in stone guy that they're going forward with yet it's at least it's not written in stone yet
1: I have a friend who is a huge 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 Dolphins fan not a member of the Tua Mafia very turned off by the Tua Mafia, a realist. That's what all fans need to Thank be. Thank you. And, Thank you. And just shouting at people in the media who are pointing out the things that make you nervous is not going to make those things go away, fans fans. Be a little more self-aware. Don't get mad at us because we're pointing out the things you'd rather not think about. Right, right. These are the things you need to be thinking about and worrying about and demanding something more from the players and from the team. All right, let's take a break. We'll get you ready for tonight's game with a little round of fill-in-the-blank. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live.